0: I love church. I really do. I love our church and I think there's a lot of potential for a lot of other people to love church too if they understand what we are and understand what church is and what we're about. And I talked about this a little bit last week online, but there are many different ways that people might define church. You know, um, the building itself, the service, the um, you know, we, we use those even in our own vernacular as Christians. We say, I'm going to go to the church when we're talking about the building. Um, sometimes people see church as a good thing. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where sometimes people don't see church as a good thing. But we're beginning a series today as we wrap up our 40-day being challenge on definitions and why they matter, why they're important. And today we're going to talk about definitions and why they're important. And then we're going to take some time for the next few weeks and we're going to take some specific important things and we're going to define those, define like what a church is, for instance. That's what we're planning on talking about next week. But in a very basic sense, uh, a church is many things, but one of the things it is, is a church is a community of shared definitions. And any whole cohesive group of people, any community of people, social from a social club up to an entire nation of people, uh, is a community of shared definitions, and that's what brings us together, among other things. But that's one of the major ones, is shared definitions. And today we're talking about those shared definitions and why they're important, why they matter. And more than defining anything specific, you know, but we'll, like I say, we'll get to that later. But what is it that makes a community Um The word community itself really tells us what it is that makes a community common unity. And sometimes that's well defined and well shared, and other times it's more loose. And, you know, I live in the community of Robina, for instance, and that common unity or that community there is really only defined by the location. That's really the only thing we, I'd say, we probably share in common as a general community there. But when you come down to a community like our church, things get more specific about what makes us community, what the definitions that we share, what is it that makes our church a community, and what is it that holds that community together The short and easy answer is Jesus. I remember when I used to teach religion classes in the schools, that was the kids always were like, what's the answer? Jesus is the answer. Well, yeah, but there's sometimes more to the answer than just that. But obviously, the definition is is more articulate than that. You know, there are other communities of people that might say, you know, yeah, what holds us together is Jesus, but we probably wouldn't share much else in common. So what is it that makes us a community? So yes, united in Jesus, for sure, of course, but what else? What else? You know, there are social clubs that are a community because they share a common interest, and we we do share some common interests. There are suburbs, like I mentioned, live that share a common location. Um, you know, alumni to a school that share an alma mater, and you could say we share a common interest here as well. But you could also say that a lot of other churches share common interests, but there's also a lot of different groups within Christianity and sometimes people wonder, you know, why do all these different denominations exist and yet we, we likely share some common interests with them, with these many different denominations of churches and different groups within Christianity. But I don't really plan to talk about other groups of people or churches, that's not really the focus, except maybe in a very generalized way to illustrate different points and I don't intend to disparage any groups of people, but to look at what is it that forms a community of people? What is it that brings that common unity to people? And it, it's several things, but specifically I'm going to make an effort to bring to light some things that make our church a community, Henderland Baptist Church specifically. And I hope to build on those things to help strengthen our community. to to build our our unity as a church and make us stronger so we're better able to do what God has for us to do. And here's what what I think. I think when you dig down deep, looking at what it is that unites a group of people, whether it be a church, a social club, even a larger culture, or a small group, even clear up to a nation of people, whether it be large or small, there are many things that unite people in a community, many different things. But one of the big ones is the definitions we share, how we define different things. And that you know may not completely cover why a group of people are a cohesive community, but shared definitions are definitely a part of it. And I would say they're even a large part of community. Now, shared definitions unify a group of people in interpreting and understanding the world Around them, in our case, around us in a similar way. For instance, if I say blue is orange and you say green is purple, we're gonna have a very difficult time if we try to talk about colors. It's just not gonna work. We're really gonna struggle. We're not gonna be we're gonna have a very difficult time explaining anything, doing anything, getting along. It's gonna be hard for us. And a group of people, whether it be large or small, from a small church, all the way up to an entire nation of people, are unified when they define things in a similar way, maybe not exactly the same, but similar way. And of course, it's obvious that there's always tension in what to do and how to do it, and what's going to be best for the community, whether it be a church or any other community. But as long as that community shares some basic definitions, foundational definitions, it will be a cohesive community. You know, there may be some disagreements on other things, but as long as we share some foundational definitions, we're probably going to be fine. But if a community doesn't share basic definitions, the community will deteriorate. It'll fall apart. Where there are no shared definitions, there is no unity. And when shared definitions are lost, the community that was once formed and built on those definitions begins to deteriorate, begins to fall apart in our Being Challenged book mentioned, it was day 39 or 40, it was very recently, it mentioned that the world has become increasingly more polarized and increasingly more angry over the past decade. And, you know, if you look at social media and watch the news, I, I would probably a build up to that, that it seems to be almost picking up speed going forward. And you've likely heard the term at some point, culture wars, which, you know, it's I see that in the news and things like that. But I think that the reason for those culture wars, if you really boil it down, is that many people no longer share the same definitions of some things um, as they have historically been defined in Western culture. You know, historically, we, we define things through the Bible. That's the way things have been traditionally understood, and culture is kind of drifting away from that now. And those kinds of things are difficult because they've been part of, and even like culture itself in that you normally don't even really think about definitions. It's just something that's understood. It's something you act on something you speak from because it's, it's like culture. You don't even really think about it. You're just part of it and you do it until it changes, until you run into a different culture. People just generally act and speak in ways, that have been defined for a very long time. And some very, you know, foundational definitions traditionally shared by Western culture have been challenged. And and people, not everyone shares them anymore. And that's why we see some culture wars going on in our culture. You know, now some definitions probably should be challenged. I'm not saying that everything needs to stay the same forever. That's not true. Not all need to be challenged, but some probably do. And if we can tolerate each other and work through that and Figure out the, what those definitions are and work through that process. What's true should eventually come to the surface. Now, some re- definitions that've recently been challenged are, you know, changing from uh, changing like points of view on what things like what is healthy sexuality. You know, that's that's changed a lot recently. Um, the definition of family. You know, that's kind of shifted and changed as well. The definition of gender, you know, that's a big one right now. Things like that. And it's not my intention to give a commentary on those, you know, social issues at the moment and the complications and difficulties that come along with that. But what we're going to do is talk about the definitions that we share as a community and why they're important to us, how they unify us, why they matter because they do matter. And the reason we're looking at these things is to strengthen us as a community so we better understand and we kind of understand where, other, where we're coming from when we speak to each other, to grow our Kinderland Baptist Church community. Because when a community doesn't share definitions, it will eventually drift apart. I remember when I was, oh gosh, I was probably about 15 years old. There was a place near my house there was a very, very big canal, a lot of water flowed through it, called the New York canal. And that flowed into what was called Indian Creek, where the just kind of went wild. And there was a lot of big, very large rapids. It was called the Cunamore drop. It was very dangerous. This big swift drop in the water and big rapids, and it ran into a walk wall and went around a big corner. And, uh, this friend Jim and I decided we were going to build a raft and we were going to float down this canal. And, um, so we built this raft. We got a sheet of plywood. And I lived on a, a, a farm and we had these big plastic drums that were just huge, like 55 uh, gallon drums. And I think we found about four of them. And we lashed them together. And then we put a piece of plywood on top. And we thought, well, we'll be smart. What we'll do is we'll take another piece of plywood and we'll put some outriggers out to the side to keep us from tipping over. And so, so we did that. And my dad Uh, actually said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll drive you down there and put you in the creek. So he took us down and we drug this this thing out of the back of the truck and we put it in the water and we got on it. As soon as we got on it, we realized we'd made a mistake because those outriggers, we'd done them with plywood and they were too floppy and they didn't really help and everything started coming apart. Anyway, we ended up in the water and it was a big mess, but we didn't uh, share definitions with people who knew how to build rafts because we didn't know how to build wrath, and we learned that the hard way, and everything drifted apart. And the Bible gives us definitions to share and to build on. And we just need to bring those things to light and strengthen them in ourselves. And that's what I hope to do through the series. Now, why does that matter? Why does it matter that we define things? Um, we should take the time to clarify definitions and look at them biblically. And Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs in uh, chapter 29, verse 18, and he says, Where there's no vision, the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the teaching. So, where there is no vision, the people perish, and happy is he who keeps the teaching. Proverbs is a book that's full of standalone statements. You can take a sentence out of Proverbs and, and prop it up, and it'll stand up. On its own, there's a lot of statements like that in Proverbs, which is different than the rest of the Bible. Often, when you're looking at, you know, statements in the rest of the Bible, you kind of have to look at the context around it to better understand it. But with Proverbs, there's a lot of things in there that you can kind of pick out and look at just that and understand it. In Proverbs 29:18 is a verse like that. You can you can understand it in and of itself, and it's often been used in the past for kind of uh, a church growth sermons and things like that, which is kind of true. You know, a church won't do well if it's not unified, but I believe this verse is more of a statement of community or common unity and shared definitions rather than a formula for growth. Make sure my microphone's kind of fading in out, is it? Sorry about that. Pardon me. Wake everybody up. Yeah, should be fine. I don't know. Anyway, back to it. Sorry for that. Um, but a church won't do well if it's not unified. But I believe that verse is more a statement of a unified community or a common unity and shared definitions rather than a formula for church growth. But the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And this is a good example of why definitions or are important. It's often difficult to translate the nuance of a statement from one language to another. Uh, David was explaining to me the other day a, a statement in French that, you know, just doesn't quite translate. I mean, you can say the words, but you don't really get quite the same impact sometimes when you translate it to another language. It's often difficult to do that. But when Solomon wrote this, he was referring to the nation of Israel, the people over which he ruled. But at the same time, Like most proverbs, this is a statement that applies to people in general. He's writing specifically about the people he rules, but also this is a statement that is transcendent for all time, something that would apply to all people. It's not really limited to a specific time and place. It's a statement of wisdom that applies throughout time. And the word people there, it means people in general, a nation, a tribe, an ethnic group, a group of people who share things in common. And he says, where there is no vision, those people perish. And when Solomon talks about vision, he's referring to prophetic vision. And in the Old Testament and New Testament, uh, there were people God used to speak for him. And they were his prophets. And when the Israelites were at Mount Sinai in the wilderness, the people asked Moses to intercede with God on their behalf because, you know, there was lightning and smoke and all this stuff on the mountain. They were afraid. And they said, Moses, will you intercede with God for us? And he said, yes, I will do that. And from that point forward, as you read the Bible, you see that God used prophets to speak to his people, to let them know what he wanted them to know. And what a prophet did was tell people what God wanted them to know. A prophet communicated God's will for the people. And God's prophet, what that prophet said, was binding for those people. And that was a big responsibility, very big. In fact, God also said "Also said, if they're wrong, they're a false prophet, and they should be put to death, which is, which is a big deal. And when we say the word prophecy, um, our thoughts often go to future, because there's a lot of stuff that revolves around that today. And a lot of people think that prophecy is kind of predicting what's going to happen in the future. And in the Bible, there is some of that, but it's much more the communication or revealing of what God wants people to know. And Solomon says, where that doesn't exist, those people perish. Okay, If people aren't told what God wants them to know, that group of people will perish. And I've looked at this verse a lot in the past. I've looked at it a lot recently. And that doesn't mean people just die. Okay, perish is, is, is much more involved than just falling over dead. It's more of a, although that can be a byproduct of it in some cases, it's much more of a slow, painful disintegration of the unity of a group of people. This is a good way to describe that word, perish. And the group of people who lack clarification of what God wants us to know gradually pull themselves apart. They slowly perish. And to perish, part of that word also means to cast off restraint. To cast off restraint. We might view restraint as as a negative thing. But we also understand that for unity and liberty to exist, there must be restraints in place. You know, we don't want any more than we have to have, but we do need some rules to live by. And those things, you know, liberty and unity, they don't come from a lack of rules, but disciplining ourselves and making the decision to follow the right ones, to follow the good ones. And when people cast off restraint, a large part of what that means is that people no longer have shared definitions of what's right and what's wrong, and what it means to be good, what it means to be bad, what it means to be moral, what it means to be immoral, because they cast those things off. And then everybody kind of defines everything for themselves, And the community loses its unity, and it drifts apart like our raft did. And what happens then is people begin to wander randomly. They wander randomly without direction. They don't share the same definitions. They're not headed in the same direction. So they just begin to wander. And when that happens, and a group of people is no longer headed in the same direction, working together from a basic shared understanding, what happens when they wander aimlessly is you can imagine if there were, weren't roads and people just drove wherever they were going to drive, eventually what's going to happen is they're going to bump into each other. And when that happens, they clash and there's conflict. There's conflict because they no longer share the common ground. They don't have the same definitions of things, hence the culture wars of today. We see that going on in the world. People don't share the same definitions, so they're, they're trying to figure that out and bumping into each other and clashing and conflicting and it's not my intention at all to point fingers at the world. This isn't about addressing social issues right now, but I want us to just consider ourselves because if we're not working from a solid foundation of understanding what God wants for us and how he wants us to define things, we're not going to be able to help anyone else. We're not going to be able to do the job that he has for us. We're not going to be able to carry out the mission that Jesus has given us. And helping other people and alleviating suffering and taking the gospel message to the world, if we are wandering aimlessly, we won't be able to do that. So Solomon goes on to say, but happy is he who keeps the teaching. And by teaching, Solomon means the law, the Old Testament law, the law that God gave Moses that governed the Israelites morally, politically, and religiously. And those statements are connected with a semicolon. There's not a, a full stop between them. So those two thoughts are closely connected. They're intended to be connected. And a lot of what we read in Proverbs, like I said, is standalone statements, but these two are closely connected, and that's why there's a semicolon instead of a full stop. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the teaching. And something that's intriguing about this verse is that Solomon mentions both listening to prophecy, and living by the law, both of those things. And here's another way of, if I'm trying to define the principle of what we can take away from this, this is what I believe God wants us to know. When how God says we should interpret the world around us is both well-defined and followed There is unity among the group of people that do that. We find unity in our shared understanding of how God defines the world. And we could say we share beliefs, which is also true. Okay, that's true, but beliefs also need to be defined. We need to know the definition that supports that belief. Like someone might say, I bump into people all the time that would say, I believe in God. I was trying to find information on that. Like 75% of people in Australia would say that. Say, I believe in God. And I would say, yeah, me too. You probably would say, yes, me too as well. A lot of people may say that, but how we define God and who he is may be very different, may be drastically different. So we really don't know if we share the same belief unless we define what that belief is. And the same thing could even be said for someone who says, I'm a Christian. A lot of people say they're a Christian. But that's defined in a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. So that's why it's very important that we define some things to strengthen the unity of our church. If we have shared definitions, we enjoy unity in those definitions. And there are a lot of things we can define. But the first one that we're going to look at is going to be our church. You know, what is it? What is it? What are we here to do? We've talked about that a fair bit, but what is our church? Specifically, Lynn Baptist Church. And we're going to do that next week. But how do we define things matters? It's important that we, we do that and think about that, because one of the things that forms our community is the definitions we share. And there's, there's several things, but that's, that's one of the important ones. So I'd like for you to think about that during the week think about that as you go through your week this week maybe make a little note how do you define what church is maybe study that in your bible figure that out what do i you know what what is our church what are we who are we what are we what do we do all those different things i ask you to do that this week and we're going we're going to wrap up there for today so let's go ahead and i'm going to ask you to stand and we'll we'll have a word of prayer as we Get ready to fellowship. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in prayer, and I just pray, Lord, that uh, as we look at definitions and just do our best to learn from Scripture how to interpret who we are, what we are, the world around us, and define those things, that you would you would lead us in that going forward you would guide us in that that you would uh, bring us together and unify us in these things and father i pray that you would lead us to pray for those things i pray that people would pray for me as i learn and study and share and i pray for each of us as we come together and i thank you for the unity that we do share i'm so grateful father that you've brought us together And I just pray for their time of fellowship after this and and coming back together today. And we're just so grateful for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, for your so many blessings. And we're thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.